If you don't already have your Bible open to Mark chapter 4, that's where we're going to be this morning. Mark chapter 4 tells the story of the sower sowing the seeds. And what I love about this so much is last week we talked about how do we know God. This week we're going to talk about how do we grow. Last week, how do we know? This week, how do we grow? We're going to take one more week next week, and we're going to talk about what does the fruit look like. Now, I don't promise I'm going to bring fruit snacks for everybody next week, okay? So uh, don't hold your breath. But what does it look like to bear fruit? What does it look like to grow in faith? We're going to talk about that next week. And I hope we had enough. And now the teenage guys are going to probably take all the leftovers uh, at this point. So uh, we know how this goes. Mark chapter 4 Let's start reading in verse 3 this morning. Mark chapter 4, let's start reading in verse 3. Jesus says to them, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Now when you think about this parable, you think about last week we talked about the need to have Christians who are involved in science and technology and engineering These parables from Jesus remind us of how much we need Christians who are engaged in the arts, who are engaged in music, who are engaged in the creativity that we're going to celebrate this week in Vacation Bible School. What makes Jesus' parables, his stories, so powerful is they connect with us on this emotional level that we can understand. The ultimate storyteller to tell this type of simple story, and yet it draws so much out of our lives. The story goes on in verse 5. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now we talked about verses 10 through 12 last week, so I want you to move ahead to verse 13. Look at what Jesus says in response to this parable going out. In verse 13, Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? What we see in verse 13 here is this parable that Jesus tells here, it's the parable that unlocks all the others. It's going to give us the key about why Jesus uses other parables. And we know from this verse, the reason, and the verses just before it, the reason Jesus speaks in parables is because it shows us how people respond to Jesus and his word in different ways. When you're going through the Gospels, you see so many different responses to Jesus and who he is. And and we can start to ask ourselves, why does not everyone follow Jesus? Or why do some people start following Jesus and then they stop? And why do some people follow Jesus with their whole lives and, and they bear this incredible fruit? Guess what? That's the world we still live in. When the gospel, the message about Jesus goes out into the world, when the message about Jesus goes out into a church, congregation, worship service, 
people respond in different ways. Some people say, no thanks. Like, that's great that faith is good for other people, but, but not really for me. They, they never receive it in. Some people receive it in and carry it for a while and then move away to something else. Some people receive it in and say, this is life. <laughs> this, this is everything, and they begin to grow in faith. When the word of God goes out, people respond in different ways. And what you find in this parable, if you're taking notes, it's very simple. There's four different types of soil. There's four different responses to Jesus that we see here. And the question we have to ask this morning is, how am I responding to Jesus? How am I responding to God's word? That's the question that stands over the scripture about am I responding in salvation? Am I responding in discipleship, which is the fancy word for growing spiritually, following after Jesus? And there's gonna be four options. You're gonna see four different ways that people respond. And we're all driving to that last option because we're gonna talk about it more next week about what God really wants to do in our lives. Look at verse 14. Let's get started here. Verse 14 starts out, the sower sows the word. Well, there's a simple explanation from Jesus. <laughs> what this parable is about is that the sower is sowing the word. So we read a verse like that and we say, well, who's the sower? Like, who, who's being talked about here? Well, we know it's God, that, that God is the one who is sending out his word, sending out his message of salvation into the world. But as the sower is doing this work, God does this work through his son, through the prophets, through the apostles, through those who follow after Jesus. So the sower here is ultimately God, with, without a doubt. But as we unlock the parable, as we think about the parable, we know that the seed, the word, the message about Jesus can go out in, in many different ways. And God uses his people to spread the word into the world. The word goes out. What is this seed? What is this word that goes out? It's probably best summarized by Mark chapter 1, verse 15, that the time has been fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe the gospel that all of God's promises, all of God's plans have been fulfilled through Jesus. And as Jesus has come, he is bringing the kingdom of God, he's bringing God's power and God's salvation and God's transformation into the world, and our response is that we would turn away from ourselves, trusting ourselves, trusting the world, and we would turn to Jesus. That's the word of God, that we believe that the whole Bible is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. That the Bible points us to God's work of salvation through Jesus and how people respond to that word. And so Mark chapter four, verse 14, very simply says, this parable is about how the word of God, this message of salvation, goes out into the world. Verse 15. And these are the ones, response number one, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. From the very beginning here, you see the first group of people where there's virtually no response. In every group of people that shows up in this parable, you're going to see that they hear the word. So the question is not do they hear the word, the question is how do they respond to the word. Here, the word is heard, the word comes to them, but it never takes root. It never shows any type of transformation and Satan comes in and takes that seed away, takes that word away, and the person's life is never committed to Jesus. 
This group of people, you could sum up with the phrase, I don't need Jesus. If you were summing up this first group of people here, their response to the word of God is, hey, I'm glad that works for you, that's good for you, I don't need Jesus. Friends, until we recognize our need for God's salvation, until we recognize our need for Jesus, until we recognize our need for salvation, it's very difficult to receive the word. Most people don't. They're just, their hearts are hard against the word of God because they see no need for God's word. They see no need for Jesus. And we live in a world, we're going to get to the third soil that probably best describes living in Oklahoma in 2022, but we're living in a world where more and more people are just growing hard to the word of God want nothing to do with the things of God, want nothing to do with what it means to understand salvation and following Jesus. And, and there's reasons for that, and it begins to build up over time, but this first group just doesn't want anything to do with it. Right after Amanda and I got married back in October of, of 2014, we had three months before we were going to move to New Orleans for, for seminary. And so in those three months, we did temp jobs for express personnel services. So whatever they told us we were doing that day or that week, that's what we did. We worked temp jobs. And through one of my temp jobs, I got to know this older gentleman and built up a little bit of friendship with him. And I shared the gospel with him over and over and over and went to his house. He, he was dying of cancer. And in this process of sharing the gospel, I just knew this was gonna be one of those amazing stories that I was gonna tell one day as a preacher about how this guy turned and gave his life to Jesus. And it turned into a preacher's story where he didn't turn and give his life to Jesus. And it was an example of this first soil where you can share the gospel over and over and over with someone and sometimes their heart never does soften. And it's so hard to know why that happens. But I wish every story ended with, and he was saved and we celebrated. That's not how that story ended. And, and the weight of that still sits with me to, to this day. Soil number one, there's no response. There's apathy. I don't care and I don't need Jesus. And Satan comes in and takes that word away. Verse 16, what's the second response? Verse 16, these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. Now, when I hear that phrase, with joy, there's a quick little video that some of you may have seen before, and, and this girl's voice at the beginning of the video is a little bit hard to understand, but she is dealing with an important question that in life, in other words, what would I do if I lived in a glass of chocolate milk? Um, like a question that many of you deal with on a regular basis. If I was living in a glass of chocolate milk, like what would my life be about? So watch, watch this video real quick. I want to be in chocolate milk. I want to be Uh-oh. Stop the video. That's not going to work. Okay. I love how committed she is to this. Like, she just wants to be a marshmallow so she can wobble around with joy. Um, so we spend a lot of time in our house. What do you do every, every day? I just wobble around with joy. Um, so when I see this idea of 
with joy. What does it mean to hear the word of God and respond quickly with joy? There are some people that just get excited about every new thing that comes along. And so they hear the gospel, they hear the word of God, and they receive it quickly with joy. Um, I, I tell this illustration or this idea carefully because we're getting ready for Vacation Bible School in Falls Creek, but the number of situations where someone hears the gospel and they respond quickly, like, I need that, and then two or three weeks later, you can't find the person, and you realize there probably was no transformation that happened in the person's heart. Some people are drawn to hype and, and emotionalism, like, hey, this sounds really great, I'll sign up for this, or maybe they're going through a hard time in life, and they hear about Jesus and they respond quickly with joy. What happens though in the next verse? Verse 17, they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Jesus, the hope of salvation, God's word, never takes root in their life. It never goes past surface level. It never becomes the thing that stabilizes our life. And so when difficulty comes, when following Jesus no longer looks as good and easy as it once did, when the emotion of the experience wears off, the person starts to think, you know what, that's not exactly what I signed up for, and they go away. Where do we see this happening? Well, we see this happening in different ways in, in our world where someone will respond quickly to the things of God, difficulty comes, and they're taken away. And if I could just be straightforward with you, this is what is so toxic and deadly about what we call the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is this idea that if I turn to Jesus, he's gonna take care of all of the problems around me. I'm gonna be healthy and wealthy and wise and everything's going to go well. And if we could all just testify together in this room, that's not what following Jesus looks like. That as we follow Jesus, do we have faith? Do we have hope? Do we have peace? Do we have joy? Yes, we have those things. Does it mean we're healthy, wealthy, and wise? No, most of us are 0 for 3 in that category. Like, no, it doesn't mean that those things happen immediately. But when someone is promised those things, when someone is told that if you turn to Jesus, you're going to get X, Y, and Z, and you're gonna have happy feelings all the time, and then that doesn't happen, they feel shortchanged. They feel like they got bait and switched. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. What does Jesus say, though? He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That you would know that when you turn and follow Jesus, he gives joy, but it's not a short-term emotional joy. It's the type of joy that transforms your life through the inside out. It's the type of joy that sustains you through hard times. And so we want to be the type of people who turn to Jesus, and when difficulty comes, we keep going. We endure through those things because we have people around us building us up. We have the word of God that continues to sustain us. We have eternal hope because that's where our peace and hope is found through Jesus. So the second soil, there's no root. And what does it say at the end? It says they fall away or they stumble. Now the interesting thing about that word at the end of this verse is it can be used in two different ways in Mark. In Mark's gospel, it's used one way that talks about people falling away and it's used in connection to hell, eternal separation from God. So it says that in some instances, 
that the people who receive with joy and then fall away are those who are eternally separated from God. But it's also the same word that's used to describe when the disciples desert Jesus at the time of, of his crucifixion, when the disciples run away. And we know for the disciples, ultimately they come back to Jesus, that they are struggling with their response to Jesus, but they come back. As we read through these soils, sometimes they refer to the idea of salvation, and sometimes they refer to the idea of spiritual growth. But what you need to hear is responding to Jesus is about endurance through difficulty, not just based on an emotional feeling or not just based on what God gives you in that moment. That we have roots that run deeper than that. Our roots run down into the word of God, into the gospel. Number three, verse 18. Others are the ones sown among thorns. You know this already, but thorns do not have a good history in the Bible. That in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sin, what's one of the things that happens to the land? Thorns begin to grow up. So from the very beginning of the Bible, thorns are connected to what it looks like to live in the world when sin begins to take over. Uh, later on in the New Testament, Paul talks about having a thorn in his side, something that continues to try to draw him away from Jesus. And God doesn't take away that thorn. He has to learn how to live with that thorn. But in the Bible, thorns represent what happens when people begin to turn away from Jesus, when, when sin begins to take over the world. Middle of verse 18, these plants are growing up among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This third soil might as well be labeled living in Oklahoma in 2020. When I think about our church, when I think about praying for our church family, when I think about the area that we live in, would you give your devotion and attention to this verse? This, it makes me feel emotional thinking about it, but this verse terrifies me for being a spiritual leader, a pastor in 2022 in Oklahoma. This verse should get our attention more than anything else this morning as we think about what does it look like for spiritual growth to happen? What's going on here? You have this idea of cares of the world, deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things. I want to put this question in front of you. What is threatening to choke out the word of God in your life? What is threatening to choke out the spiritual growth that God wants to do in your life? The first thing that pops up here in this verse is the idea of the cares of this world. That word cares is the word in the New Testament for anxieties. It's the anxieties and cares of living in this world. Sometimes the, the way our world works with social media and, and TV media that comes at us, we get this feeling of I'm anxious about a lot of things and I'm about to be told other things I should be anxious about and I'm anxious because there are other things I'm not anxious about that I don't know about yet. That'll, that'll be coming, like just the, the cares of the world that begin to pile up on top of us and how quickly we can allow the cares of this world to take us away from devotion to Jesus. We can allow the cares of this world to choke out our spiritual life because they begin to overwhelm us. And I wanna be really clear about this. We need to distinguish 
between what it means to experience anxiety in this world, because there are things in this world that make us anxious. There are cares of this world. We're going to face those as followers of Jesus. We need to distinguish between that reality that you may be a person that struggles with anxiety, which you know I would raise my hand on that, versus allowing that anxiety to overwhelm your life and begin to choke out the spiritual growth that God wants to do in your life. When we face anxiety, when you feel the cares of this world, your job, your family, whatever political events are going on, whatever crazy world events are going on, when you feel that weight building up on your shoulders, that weight can either drive you away from God, away from his word, away from the church, or that weight can drive you to God and to his word and to his church to say, God, I can't handle this. I need to give this to you. Because if we're not careful, the cares and the anxieties of life will begin to take us away from the church. Amanda and I have experienced this so many times in, in ministry, and a lot of times it, it's connected to working with college students or young adults, where they'll begin to struggle with the reality of life, and their phrasing to us is, when I get through this time, I'm gonna come back to church. I'm gonna reconnect to church. And the pain there is when they need God's word the most, when they need the church the most, they're going away from that source that God has given to provide that spiritual growth. When life begins to pile on top of you, that is your chance to turn to God and say, I trust you. I need your word. I need your church more than ever. The middle of this verse talks about the deceitfulness of riches. This is the idea of living in the world, and you say, I want to follow after Jesus, but I really want to make money. <laughs> I, I want to follow after Jesus, but I really want this, and this, and this. And riches are deceitful because they promise way more than they can deliver. They're ultimately temporary, and often riches just begin to increase our anxiety. They also increase our greed and our selfishness, our envy of what others have. This idea of how deceitfulness of riches, trying to gain the treasures of this world, begins to take us away from Jesus. You know what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? No one can serve two masters. You're gonna love one and hate the other. You can't serve God and mammon, the things of this world. And then there's a phrase at the end of this verse where it says, desire for other things. And that's the phrase that really gets my attention. It's like this catch-all to say many people in our world, and, and especially Oklahoma in 2022, and, and if I could just be straightforward with you, Emmaus, our church, my heart, we love God. We love his word. We love being connected to the church. But we desire other things more. And our desire for other things begins to overwhelm and take away and choke out the work that God wants to do in our lives. And so I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to do something. I would like you to go to someone you trust someone who knows you particularly well, and I want you to ask them the question, what do I desire most in life? That you would go to someone, because none of us are good judges for ourselves on this. We would say, oh, Jesus, God's word, the Bible. Like, we, we would say that. What would somebody else who knows you say? 
what would they say is your greatest desire in life? Because we know from this verse that desires for other things, which desires in themselves are not bad. Those are good God-given desires. The problem are when those other desires, those other things we want, begin to choke out spiritual growth, begin to take us away from God's word, take us away from the church. And it happens so quickly that we don't even realize what has happened, that these other desires have taken over. This week, Would you go to someone you trust, go to someone who knows you, and ask them the question, what do I seem to desire above everything else? And then talk about how can God use that to draw my heart back to him, that my desire would be, that my life would be transformed by the gospel, by his word, by following Jesus. Which leads us to the final soil. This is the one we're trying to get to. This is the one we want to end on, and then it kind of propels us into next Sunday of what it looks like. You get to the end there in verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And there should be a small part of you that feels a little bit frustrated with the Bible at this point because you've gotten to the good soil. Like, this is what we're supposed to live for, and it is so simple. Like, what does spiritual growth look like? How do I grow as a believer? I hear the word of God. I accept it. I receive it. I trust it, and I bear fruit, period. That's it. That's what it looks like to live as a follower of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we complicate this. And and by we, I mean the pastor complicates this. Like, what does it look like to grow in your spiritual life? Hear the word of God, receive it, and bear fruit. How do we grow? We have to be able to endure through difficult things. That we don't have a faith that's based on emotions. We have a faith that endures. We have to be able to pull up the weeds in our life. We have to get rid of those things that threaten to choke out our spiritual growth. And we have to receive the word of God. And one of the beautiful things about the Bible here, one of the things, this is the part of the scripture this week that stood out to me the most as I was studying this and thinking about how it looks in Greek here. The verses before, every time they give the word hear, like to hear the word of God, It's just a very simple form of a verb. You just hear it. This time in verse 20, it changes to the type of verb when to hear it is to hear it in an ongoing, continuous way. That's the distinction. In the first three, it was a general hearing. In this fourth one that bears fruit, it's an ongoing hearing. It's an ongoing receiving of the word of God. What will drive your spiritual growth is not hearing the word of God one time and receiving it. It's ongoing, everyday, continuous reception of the word of God, of the gospel. To grow spiritually, we need one another. We need the church. We need the spirit of God at work in our life. And we need to continually go back to the word of God as an ongoing reality in in our life. That's how we will endure difficulty, That's how we're going to be able to pull up the weeds, those other desires that threaten to take us away from God, and that's how we are going to be able to bear fruit. Friday night, uh, Amanda and I, along with Jim and Brooke, had a chance to go to a really special celebration 
for a group of ladies next door at the children's home as a part of the Children's Hope Program. And these ladies, we were celebrating that they had graduated college or, or technical school this year, and there were several ladies, so they threw a party for them, a, a dinner for them together. And, and I'll just be honest with you, I cried a whole lot that night. Like, my, my napkin at the table was struggling. Uh, the allergies were terrible in the room. I don't, know, I don't know what happened, but, like, my allergies were really struggling that night. Um, but they shared uh, about God's work in their life. Uh, stories of, of being homeless, stories of being addicted, stories of being abused, and yet God, by his grace, drew them to himself. The word of God was put in front of them. They heard the gospel that Jesus died for them, that he took away their sins, that they had life through him, that their life could be different, and they received that word, and they didn't just receive it one time. They didn't receive it by themselves. They were surrounded by people who helped them continue to receive the word of God, and, and these ladies are growing as moms. They're, they're growing as friends. They're growing as followers of Jesus. And they are bearing fruit that's having an impact in our world. They endured through difficult things. They had a lot of weeds in their life that they would tell you they had to get pulled up, get out of the way. And they put themselves in a situation where they were surrounded by others who helped them receive the word of God in an ongoing way. And fruit has come in their life. In your life, endure through difficulty, pull up the weeds, and keep receiving the word of God. Do not back away from the church. Do not back away from God's work in your life. What do you desire above everything else? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we think about responding to your word right now, that we would be reminded of how good Jesus is how this message of the gospel, this message of salvation that comes to us, that all of your promises have been fulfilled through Jesus. God, as we think about that, we think about receiving that, God, you would use your word, you would use the gospel to transform our lives, that we would continue to gather as part of the church. God, I pray if there's anybody here this morning that they've become disconnected from church, they've become disconnected from your word, from hearing your word with other believers. God, use this morning to draw them back to a connection with other believers, a connection with the church, spending time in your word. And God, if there are those of us here this morning who we've allowed other desires, desires for wealth, desires for comfort, desires for control, we've allowed the, the anxieties of life, just difficulty with our family or difficulty at work, we've allowed that to take us away from you. God, would you use this final psalm, would you use this time of response to draw us back to you? Father, thank you for the chance to gather and worship today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.